0: The Nail in the Coffin! Welcome to The Nail in the Coffin. It's episode number 107, and it's Monday night... Trev, we uh, took last week off, and uh, a whole lot of shit went down since the last time you and I were on here. Uh, had some Cavs news, we had some Indians news today. You and I both watched the Royal Rumble last night, that was a lot of fun. Where would uh, where would you like to start, my friend? Oh,
1: wow. Um, yeah, you're right, it's kind of been... Can you remember like a, a late January that's been this... Ridiculous in terms of things to talk about. Let's, no, I, I was going to say we've.
0: <laughs> this is the third year through. We've been doing this now, and we've normally around this time change. of the year, we're kind of scraping a little we're bit because there's not a lot of action happening. But uh, no, no shortage this time.
1: No, let's uh, let's hit the let's hit the rumble real quick. I have a feeling that's not that's not going to be that's not going to take too much.
0: No. What did, no. What did you think? Give I me, liked give your it. Initial. I here's the thing. I I've watched almost all of them. And historically, if the Royal Rumble match is not the last match on the card, it's generally not very good. And the Rumble matches the last few years have not been very good. So when they put this one on last night at like 8 o'clock, I had a really bad feeling. But I thought the men's Royal Rumble match was awesome. And uh, the women's match, putting that one on last, I thought that was a pretty bold move. But they pulled it off. They, They did great with it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, I, I wasn't sure if doing two rumbles in one night was going to be overkill, but they made it work. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that was the most fun I've had watching a wrestling pay-per-view in a long time.
1: Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, not a big fan of the, the women's division, all that stuff. That's kind of when I tune out when it's on TV. Um, but I had a hunch last night that the reason it was on last was because of Rousey. I, I was surprised she didn't come out at 30, honestly. Um, but I was I was surprised with how good I thought that match was. I thought it was as far as you know you threw a bunch of women in there. I would never have thought it would have been as entertaining as it was. It was pretty good, pretty high quality.
0: Well, they played the Rousey thing perfectly because you could kind of tell the whole crowd was like, oh, everybody's kind of standing up at 30 waiting for Rousey. And you got the feeling like if it was anybody else, they were going to boo and be all disappointed. But then they brought out Trish Stratus and nobody's ever going to boo Trish Stratus. She's like one of the most popular women ever. So, um, you know, it's like, oh, all right, no Rousey. Well, at least this will still be fun with Trish. And then they brought Rousey out afterwards anyway. Um, our buddy, uh, J-Dub was over at my house last night. And as soon as the match was over, he went to leave and, uh, all of a sudden Rousey comes out and I had to go sprinting up the stairs and be like, Hey, this thing ain't over yet. So wait, man, wait, no, yeah. it was,
1: uh, yeah, they did play it pretty well. Um,
0: it was kind of interesting to me, you know, I, I think WWE has a history of taking things that have been successful elsewhere and kind of cribbing it for their own use, um, You know, you don't have the Attitude Era if uh, there was no ECW first. I I don't know if there would have been a DX had the NWO not been a thing. And, you know, they've really made a concentrated effort over the last couple of years to start presenting their women's division as being legit. And I think the the wrestlers they have on that side are way better than they used to be. Um, For sure. way, Way more athletic. They can do a lot more stuff. And uh, they, they made huge strides, but, um, you know, not to be cynical, but I don't really know how much they'd have gone all in on doing that had they not seen the success that UFC had promoting Ronda Rousey and what, you know, a box office draw she was over on that side of things. So it was kind of ironic that, you know, they get the biggest women's match ever headlining one of their bigger four pay-per-views, and look who comes out at the end. Um, it's, you know, arguably the person who inspired all of this.
1: Yeah. And it was, um, I don't know. There's, there's certain things like about the women's division that I feel like they don't, I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't tell you if if the woman was standing in front of me, I couldn't tell you who 95% of them are. I couldn't tell you their name. A lot of them all just kind of blend together to me, honestly. Um, but I will say this, ronda rousey looks small next to next to the wrestlers i thought like when we've seen her like fight and everything she looks big right she looks right really athletic like all that stuff when she walked into the ring she looked smaller than the other three women i thought so that was sort of interesting to me um it'll be interesting to see i mean we've obviously seen it done with um lesnar who I don't know. was kind of a wrestler first and then went MMA and came back to wrestling and stuff. It'd be interesting to see how it translates for her. She's what she did judo or I think, is that what she did
0: in the Olympics? The thing is here, I mean, she said last night she's in for multiple years and she's in full time and this is her top priority. This isn't going to be a cameo for three months and get out after, you know, the day after WrestleMania or whatever. I mean, she's in this for the long haul supposedly. And, it's kind of weird to try to picture her as being uh, an every week superstar showing up on Monday nights. But, I mean, theoretically, that's what we're going to be getting. So uh, she certainly knows how to market herself. And, you know, that's- and that's the weird thing I
1: thought. Like, yeah, she's she's done. Obviously, she's done a lot of interviews. She's done pressers and all that shit. I was surprised she didn't say anything. It was just, I'm just going to walk in the ring and point and then walk out. Like, you know, I thought that was kind of corny, but God, that's, um,
0: that's the, the hallmark of the rumble, man. Point to the side. Everybody's doing it. So, yeah, but
1: you can do it at the end. After yeah. you say something, cut a promo for me. Give me something. It was
0: late. It was four, four plus hours. Everybody wanted to go to bed. There's always yep, that, another show. Yeah. All right. All right. So, all right. Um, That was fun. Probably a good way to segue from where we were last week talking UFC and WWE so and by the way shout out to Stipe you and I watched that together a week and a half ago now and uh he, he surgical did, that was that was awesome just absolutely yeah. owned it from from start to finish so and he's already I mean this is how long has been we the last time we were on here we were talking about him getting ready for that and fight and he's already got his next one lined up for this summer with uh Corvier so
1: that's kind of cool he's doing the uh the, the show too him and Cormier are going to be the coaches.
0: Oh yeah, there you uh, go. I didn't even know that. So
1: it, yeah, so they, they both sign up. They're going to coach the two teams, and at the end of the season, they fight each other. So that's kind of cool. Mm, so he'll stuff. get. So he'll finally get a bit of a push. The big talk after the fight was, you know, it, it kind of felt like everyone's was was really psyched to talk about how uh, Stipe doesn't like Dana White. Um, so that sort of took on. Um, you know sort of a, an added angle well, he poured a gas can I
0: mean, on that when he ripped the belt away from him and yeah. let his coach put it on him and
1: i didn't really notice it in real time And i also don't i don't really know like the you know the unwritten rules of ufc where you always let dana white put it on um so that was I, it didn't really register to me as anything but he didn't he wasn't bashful about no basically coming out and saying it um by the way, so, I
0: I did not realize this. I think those guys get a new belt for every championship fight they win. Actually, I, I always just assumed it was like wrestling with, uh, uh you know, or like the Stanley Cup or something like that, where it's you get a traveling title. Passed down. But no, I, there's been a couple times I've seen Stipe pose with a trophy case and every time he does it you could count up the number of belts that are in there versus the number hmm. of times like hey he won the the title originally and then has defended it since then so yeah you know, if he keeps just many, it going he might be able to start doing uh you know some eBay auctions or something after a while
1: <laughs> if you've uh if you've seen his um if you've seen this trophy case how many of the belts have like a spinning plaque in the middle that's what I think that's what I think makes a really good belt.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, you, you and I were texting about that. The old John <laughs> Cena spinner. That was the low point for the WWE God, Championship. Was, Although the the red harsh. belt that Lesnar has now is pretty awful as well.
1: It's just the same belt, isn't it? But it's red instead of black.
0: Well, right, because they, they, the the red one is for Monday Night Raw, and the black one is the one that was originally just the championship, but that just red. became the SmackDown only. And I'm sure whenever they change that, they'll make it electric blue like the other ones on there. But Yeah. We got to market them to the kids now. If it uh, if it sells well for uh, the toy company, I can't remember is it Mattel or or Hasbro or one of those that yeah, got I've the deal. They they, they have a lot of stroke with those things now.
1: Yeah, no it's kidding. It's a new day, man. New day. And I'm not new talking day, about new Biggie new. and uh, Kofi Kingston no. and, and no, Xavier thank, Woods. Thank goodness I don't I don't want to talk about them. No, but
0: <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk some Cleveland stuff. Uh, All right, we got a lot of uh, we've run the gamut of emotions with the Cavs. Uh, I kind of feel like uh, unless you want to get the Indians bit of news out of the way first, where, where do you want to go next?
1: Yeah, we can close with Indians.
0: All right, that that that's going to be real short on my end.
1: But yeah, I think I agree. That's sort of why I say we'll we'll finish with that. All right. Uh, so, the Cavs have had a tumultuous month, to say the least. Um, well, obviously they were, they were. I think they had the worst record at one point after Christmas um, in the league, which. Obviously not good. It's not what you're going for. No. Um, and Isaiah Thomas has been nothing but worthless since he came back. He has he has done literally since he's come back, every every everything that's happened seems to have been bad. Is that is that an exaggeration?
0: The first night, his first game back against Portland, he was awesome, and we all got real excited. Yeah, we all got
1: pretty psyched. He looked he looked solid. You know, he made some plays, but overall, the way that the team has played with him has been dreadful
0: well the thing that i was just banging the drum on so much last week on social media was that just frustrated me that they're slamming their head into a wall running the same lineup in the same rotation out there game after game after game when you could very obviously and plainly see that it wasn't working you know especially when you had love's touches you know kevin love his touches and his shots basically plummeted and he's became a very distant third option after he had spent the first half of the year being a very solid number two option behind LeBron. Tristan Thompson was not fitting in well with the reserves. Jake Crowder was completely lost. J.R. Smith's confidence was completely shot. And, you know, you're, you're hearing all these trade scenarios and everybody's at each other's throats last week. And it's, you know, we got to blow up half the team and, you know, let me be clear. I don't think that everything's suddenly okay. Um, they very easily. I mean, they're they're going to need to make some deals here, and you know we're seeing the trades around the league already starting. I mean, tonight uh, Blake Griffin got shipped off to uh, Detroit, and and I do think the Cavs are going to make some deals. But I, I I just wanted to see like let's exhaust all the options in house before you start unloading half the roster for guys who've never been here before. Um, so, I, I mean, and we're seeing it already pay dividends, and they made one move. It was Tristan into the starting lineup and Jay Crowder with the second unit. And now Tristan, you know, he could be that role man um, in the, the pick-and-roll situations. Kevin Love's getting some shots again. J.R. Smith looks completely rejuvenated. He's not afraid to shoot anymore. Um, and and they're doing a good job of kind of staggering things with, with LeBron and, and Isaiah, um, we could talk more about Isaiah in a minute, but I mean, if nothing else, it, I feel like at least watching these last two games, the Cavs look like the Cavs again. Yeah. And they, and
1: for the first time at the end of the game yesterday, it, it, it's probably been a month since they, since they seem like they were having any damn fun. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's a small thing. Um, but hopefully it's, you know, the sign of things to come and they're maybe getting back in that into their stride a little bit i'm i'll be honest i'm just disappointed that isaiah thomas is even i don't want to harp too much on him but i think he's even worse than i thought he was going to be and i wanted to get rid of him before you know i wanted them to get rid of him the day they got him um his value is never going to be lower i don't honestly don't know how you even trade him because his salary is so low that no one's really trading in the dump salary he's only making six million this year um and yeah, he's an expiring contract, but any team that's looking to shed payroll, that's not really going to make a dent. Um, he's coming off a major injury; he hasn't played well. Like, what, what? How are you selling him as you know a trade piece? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, if they're going to get better, you know, trade Isaiah and whoever. I just don't see how that helps you.
0: You're you're not getting. Uh, I mean, you're going to end up getting thirty cents on the dollar. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, I mean, you're right. I, I can't argue with anything you've said. I mean, the thing is, you you kind of hope that you can some way make it work, if, if not for the rest of this season, then at least enough to bump up his value to get anything. I mean, I remember a few weeks ago when that whole thing with the Celtics was starting to uh, brew up again, Paul Pierce's Jersey retirement, that game on February 11th, that's coming up and they were going to do the tribute video for Isaiah Thomas. And it turned into this whole brouhaha about that. And I kind of have jokingly said, "Yeah, this is all going to be a non-issue when he gets traded at the deadline on the eighth. And I mean, that's, it seems like a real possibility. Um, I mean, even beyond the whole fit on the floor, just some of the other things we're seeing. I mean, we don't know the whole story, but I mean, you can make observations. We've all got two eyes, and when you're seeing player introductions, and he won't go through the line like everybody else, and you got Kevin Love, uh, doing whatever the hell that was kneeling the down to hand. Him yeah, the ball. like like he was handing out trick or treating candy or something, and uh, you know Isaiah's leaving the locker room every night, not answering the reporters or anything in the post game.
1: And when he does, all he's doing is whining. Like, I can't stand listening to this guy talk. Like, it's it's infuriating. You kind of
0: get the feeling like the beat writers were almost sick of him before he even started. I mean, Jason Lloyd from The Athletic put in something a couple weeks ago about how Isaiah, on seven separate occasions, has talked about not being able to practice and get enough rhythm and things like that. And it was just a really strange thing before the public uh, perception of him had really done the complete 180 and I think a lot of people were still mostly high on him and, and mostly optimistic that it could work and even then I'm starting to see some things just kind of like wow I kind of get and then that you know it kind of puts that whole Tyron Lue comment about uh, players with agendas into a whole new light and yeah it just kind of makes you wonder like what what else if that's what we do know and that's what we are saying like what do we not know
1: oh yeah for sure and I, I don't when he said that, I don't know that we were thinking Isaiah Thomas. I don't. I don't know. I think we didn't really know, but we assumed it was one of the guys that was on the floor. and He wasn't even really, you know, he was probably just getting back if he was back at all at that point. I can't remember exactly when he said it, but um, he's just—he's got—he's already got something. It seems like he's complaining about and nothing that he's doing wrong is his fault. And that's not—I mean, you want if the story we heard about him leading this, like, meeting against Kevin Love is true. Cut him. Like, get him the (laughs) hell out. Like, you got to have some – Kevin Love's been, I think, personally, the consummate professional this year especially. They've been shuffling him around. He's been playing out of position. He's done everything they've asked him to do. He's never complained about it, and he's been really productive. For this guy who's missed a vast majority of the season and has come back and been – for all intents and purposes, part of the, the worst skid, um, in recent history, you, he's the only, you know, he's really the only person they've added. Like you're the only thing that's different than when they were winning 19 out of 20 or whatever the hell it was. Um, and you're going to come in and go at Kevin Love. I don't, that's just the kind of, I don't know. And the thing Lloyd said to him the, uh, the other day about, you know, how guys have been questioning his shots and stuff. Um, it doesn't sound like his own guys even want to play with him. No. Like I don't, I don't like watching him, and it doesn't sound like the guys on the floor like playing with him. So I don't know what you do, but
2: he I didn't just play at all in the fourth yesterday, right?
1: Something. No, no, he was he was glued to the bench while Channing Frye was in there getting put back donks.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Channing Frye for a minute. That it seems now like maybe. Uh, he might be sticking around after all. And I got to tell you, that makes me happy. Yeah,
1: me too. I think he's a guy, I think he's a guy that keeps, he's sort of a glue guy. He keeps the team together. Um, From what I've heard, he, you know, from what other guys have said, he is sort of like, you know, they have team like group text and he's the guy that's always, you know, kind of moving those where guys are interacting with each other. He's got, he's always cracking jokes. He gets along with everybody. He's, He's that guy that you want to have in the locker room. And if you can find a way to also have him on the floor being somewhat productive, I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. And just for the record, you know, it seems like that uh, George Hill Sacramento Kings deal. Yeah, it's
1: dead in the water, in the water
0: um, which is kind of fascinating to me. Not so much. I mean, interesting.
1: Just, Cause yeah. Cause they were saying it was a done deal. Basically.
0: Tra- yeah. Trades fall apart all the time. But the reason that that one fell apart is what I think was kind of interesting about that. And, I don't know how much you had heard about that, but basically the, the Cavs were looking. I mean, because George Hill's owed $19 million next year. and Then I think the year after that, he'd be owed a bunch of money, but he'd have a $1 million buyout or something like that. And basically the Cavs are in a position where they don't want to be on the hook to pay George Hill $19 million next year if LeBron's gone
1: justifiably so.
0: Right. And they basically wanted some sort of an assurance that, hey, if if LeBron leaves, uh, we're going to be able to buy you out. And he's, from what we're told, saying, no, I negotiated for $19 million next year. I want $19 million next year. And when that became apparent, then Cavs allegedly said no thanks. So, um, yeah, just – when that deal initially sounded like it was getting close to happening, I mean, the Cavs were in full four alarm fire mode. And at that point you're like, all right, I mean, they need some sort of an upgrade at the point guard position. Um, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Shumpert heading out of town, but uh, you know, I mean, Fry, I mean, at that point, I don't really think he had gotten back into the rotation yet. So, uh, but just the more we started hearing about some of the other deals that might be out there, I really felt like you could do a lot better with the limited assets that you have. That why are you rushing into a George Hill deal now? So I, I kind of feel like the guy did us a favor a little bit.
1: Yeah, but last time we said that um, was the uh, the Calderon deal. So, and that worked out okay.
0: It did. And I, uh, I was but, wrong but, on that but, one. But, so Yeah, and...
1: and at that time, we said, "Why are they rushing into it? And let's make no mistake: the, the Jose Calderon contract and twenty million dollars for George Hill not comparable. So, right. so that's I'm not I'm not necessarily comparing the two. And but, I would also
0: argue that Calderon could have been there two months later, but yeah, that's fair. We'll never that's know. Fair.
1: That's valid. I it, it does sort of make you wonder. We heard there were some rumblings today that um. They might have some interest in Avery Bradley. Um, and then he went and got shipped to the Clippers in the Blake Griffin deal. So he's out now. I'm not – I don't know. I feel like we're kind of back to square one in terms of what they could actually go after. And I don't really have a clue.
0: <laughs> that makes for some great uh, podcasting audience. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. there it is.
1: There it is. How's that for nothing content? if not honest. Yeah, um, take that for content.
0: <laughs> well, I mean the thing that complicates all of this so much – is that it really feels like everything the Cavs are doing is with a hedge in mind. You know, it's, it's, we're going to, we're going to trade Kyrie, but we're going to make sure we get this Brooklyn pick and we're not going to give this Brooklyn pick up because we need to have a central building block if LeBron leaves. And we don't want to take on George Hill if he won't agree to a buyout because we don't want to be stuck with him if LeBron leaves. And, you know, I hate, I absolutely can't stand when I start hearing people saying LeBron is holding the franchise hostage. I think that is just the dumbest phrase. Um, But the uncertainty around him, I think, has certainly affected how the Cavs are proceeding this year. Because, you know, and it really kind of puts them in a weird spot when you look at them relative to Golden State or maybe even Houston in that. I don't know that there's a move out there if you do push all your chips in uh, that's going to significantly close the gap with those top teams in the West. Um, But at the same time, you know, is it really worth protecting that that Brooklyn pick and any of your other future assets that much? Because, like, no matter how much you try to protect yourself, if LeBron goes this summer, it's square one, and it's going to suck, and it's going to be painful for years. And... You, you can't avoid that maybe you get yourself a little bit of a head start versus where you were in 2010 but it you I mean it's the window closes at that point and you don't know if or when it'll ever open again
1: yeah i mean that's fair you have to sort of you have to sort of balance them and i don't know that they've done a very good job of that um i guess i'll throw it at you since i don't i don't have anything <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing a blank in terms of what they could do. Um, are there any names that you've seen floated out there that, that interest you where you say, okay, I could, I could get on board with that.
0: Um, Kemba Walker is interesting to me.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, cause he's got another year and he's not, he's not making that much. I think he's making 12 million or something like that. So considerably less than George Hill was making. Um, and they are in, It's it seems like they're in sell mode, which is sort of weird, but um, it seems early to be selling, at least with a guy like Walker, especially, who still has another year and is fairly cheap.
0: He was a fun guy to watch in the NCAA tournament a few years. Ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not oh, yeah. necessarily relevant to the here and now, but
1: he's been every damn time damn I hear his pro, name, you
0: know? I always think about that <laughs> team that they won the national title with, so. Um. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's been he's been a damn good pro, too, though. Yeah. Um, what I find funny is the people that are like um, with the DeMarcus Cousins thing, people start throwing Anthony Davis's name out there. Like he's going to be and not, not necessarily t- to the Cavs, but just in general, like he's the guy that's going to be on the move soon. Um, He's like a two time all pros, 24 years old and has three years left on his deal. Like he's going nowhere. He's maybe like, maybe one of the three or four most like valuable assets any team has. Right. There is zero incentive for I can't I, I just I've no not understood that trade talk why at people all. Keep, yeah, I can't for the life of me think why people all of a sudden think he's gonna be moved somewhere. He's at least I think two years away from them even entertaining the idea.
0: Right. And that that sucks for Boogie. I mean that <laughs> that just uh, a brutal injury and especially I mean he's entering into a free agent summer. I mean the timing of that could not mm, have been worse. Yeah, that's so. terrible. Bad for the team, bad for him. That's just that sucks. You I mean, just awful.
1: Say what you want and he's a guy that um obviously he he takes a lot of heat for sort of being a bit of a malcontent, but from from everything I can see, he's the guy that kind of behind the scenes does a lot of good stuff. Like he he's sort of a, a knucklehead on the court, he's, you know, he's very uh volatile and demonstrative and all that shit, but he 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 like he seems to do pretty decent stuff like in the communities and like Sacramento loved him. The people in Sacramento loved him. Um so yeah it's kind of a bummer that a guy that was, you know it's funny because I honestly think Isaiah Thomas thought he was gonna be in that position too Hmm. at this point. Um and I think that's that agenda that we heard Tyloo talking about. I'm not sure on what planet Isaiah Thomas thought he was going to get a max contract, but if he thought he was going to get even close to that, he's got to be, that would probably explain why he's so why he's so agitated all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I think Derek Rose probably thought he was going to be getting uh, something that was not the leak minimum. So, and I'm pretty sure that's why he signed with the Cavs this year was to raise his stock. And, you know, it's. I don't really know that he's done that. I mean, at that point, Derek, at this point, Derrick Rose, I think, is just trying to hang on in the league. I mean, it could turn quickly. And I mean, you look at Isaiah. I mean, the Cavs are his fourth team now, and he hasn't been in the league for that long. And I mean, that, that's that's not a real great pattern if you're a guy that's looking to try to score a big contract like that and get a team to make that kind of an investment in you. So.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you were pretty, I mean, you were an MVP candidate, pretty widely beloved uh, last year in Boston and they got rid of you for, you know, another point guard who we're both in agreement is is a considerably better player, but they got rid of you for uh, they threw in a high lottery pick and another guy who I don't know, say what you want about how Jake rodder has been this year Um, he was a hell of a player for Boston for a few years there, so it's like, clearly they didn't value a whole lot, and you gave them about as much as anyone's ever going to expect from you.
0: I mean, you were going to need to get the salaries to line up there, but, I mean, the inclusion of the Brooklyn pick really says a lot, so... And, yeah, and the other yeah, thing, exactly. Isaiah obviously was only in uh, one year left, so that also is a factor, but, yeah, um, see what happens. But, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I feel like at least a little bit less nervous with the Cavs. I, I, I just... It makes me feel good, the fact that you know, it was interesting reading the, the the Lloyd final thoughts on the athletic last night after that Detroit game was over with because he was kind of, I don't know if fishing's the right word, but asking around like, hey, did that all out blow up in in practice last week? Were you guys, did you guys all clear the air? Um, did, was that really what's turned this around? And it sounded, I mean, he didn't have any names attached to this, but it sounds like every player he talked to was like, no, it was not at all. It was getting guys in the right roles in the lineup. Um, So, I mean, I guess on one hand, I'm a little nervous that apparently these guys still don't really like each other that much. And I don't think that's a way to go through it. And, you know, Tristan had that comment last week at practice basically saying like, I don't care if people don't like each other outside of the team. And I'm sorry, I think he's wrong there. I, I feel like you know
1: I, that's it's impossible to keep that stuff from rolling over
0: i just i yeah I, it, it really is and you know look at what happened when they won the title two years ago and you know, they had all the talent in the world in that locker room and it was once they brought in channing fry and he's the guy that kind of bridged a lot of clicks in in different groups and brought everybody together and you know you start seeing these things with them all hanging out on off days and going on you know field trips basically and, and all these other things going on and they all seem like they're getting along and liking each other. And, you know, they go and win a title, you know, I, I are there teams that have won championships with everybody not getting along? Probably, but you know, I, I don't feel like you need to be fighting each other off the floor. If you're trying to also beat the golden state warriors at the same time. Um, you need all hands on deck and you need everybody pushing the boat in the same direction. so um, I don't know, but it, at the same time it does make me feel good that they are finally willing to adapt the lineup a little bit and it made that much of a difference that fast. Now I mean, I think they got you know the Detroit game again tomorrow night, you know up at their new arena uh, and I know Houston's coming up on Saturday and that'll be a real interesting one to watch. I can't remember did so they have a game in between then? Probably. I don't even know. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But at least for now, I have a feeling more deals or, or, or deals period are going to be coming. But uh, good to see at least a pulse with uh, the guys they have there in the meantime. All right. Any other things on the Cavs?
1: Um, no, I think that's good. I think that about does it. Hopefully, you know, just... Hopefully what we've seen the last couple nights um, is a springboard and it's it's upward from there instead of, you know, continue moving forward, not, you know, not go backwards from where they're at.
0: Mm. All right. Well, we saved it for the end here. Um, Indians is something I think you and I have been basically just waiting for. Uh, Chief Wahoo, this is going to be the, the farewell tour, so to speak, in 2018. And uh, found out that 2019, no more Wahoo on the jersey, no more Wahoo on the hat or uh, a lot of other places and basically going to be reduced to just um, a, a very select amount of merchandise just so they don't lose the trademark on it, which I don't know. I guess I kind of understand it, but at the same time, uh, if somebody else wants to go make some money off of that at this point, I don't really care. Um, but uh, I, I don't
1: know. I, I I'll stop that one. I think if you if if and they're i'm not totally sure that they believe what they said today um i'm not confident that dolan really believes that he that he should get rid of the mascot i think he's doing it for you know complete business reasons i don't think he actually believes the reasons he said today but whatever that's neither here nor there um if you if you are taking the position that this this mascot shouldn't be used anymore um, and it's outworn it's welcome I don't think you then just hand it over to someone else to make money off of because you're not going to anymore
0: Yeah I mean that's fair I had no idea that that even existed like the Cavs changed their primary logo and it was the one that they won three cha- or they they won the Eastern Conference with three times four, if you count the old color version of it back in 07 and they want a NBA title with it. And they've got a new primary logo this year. And I don't see anybody running out to take the old one and start making stuff with that. So yeah, I don't really understand I'm, I'm how sure. the whole trademark law works. I, you know, this is not uh, the, the nail in the courtroom, but, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I also, I'm not sure that, that, that old logo is particularly in demand. Um, it also said cavaliers in it, which is probably a separate issue in and of itself. So Right. Regardless. I, guess,
0: I just I wanna say this. You know, you and I have made our feelings known on Chief Wahoo and I don't really feel like we need to rehash that. I mean, I'm not here to say I told you so, but we said this was coming. Whether it was gonna be this year or next year or a couple years from now. That logo getting phased out entirely was inevitable, and people pushing against it were basically only, you know, Father Time is undefeated, and that includes mascots. Um, but the thing that frustrates me about this, and we, we, we like the Indians for the most part. I think they do a lot of great things, but it, it they frustrated me with how they've handled this. I, I feel like they have made it as absolutely as hard as they possibly could on themselves with how they've let this whole thing play out. Um they've dragged this out way too long. In a perfect world when they moved into their new stadium in ninety four and they were getting new uniforms anyway. They could have made a clean break back then. And for everybody who thinks that this is some issue that just like popped up in the last five years, um, look back that first game at what was then Jacobs Field, April of ninety four, and President Bill Clinton came out and threw the first pitch. He specifically didn't wear Wahoo because it was a sensitive issue, you know, and that was almost 24 years ago now. So, I mean, this is not a new debate. Um,
1: Yeah, the protest goes back way longer than... It does. Anthony Kastrovitz
0: from MLB.com said he he could trace it back all the way to 1971. So, this has been an issue for around a while. It was going to happen, you know, they've let this thing drag out. And the thing that really frustrates me above all of it is they've let their brand identity become defined by a single issue. I mean, you see teams all across professional sports. I mean, hell, you brands in general, businesses, um, you know, they, they business of all kinds. You know, they change their logos all the time. I mean, you go to the grocery store tomorrow, you're probably going to see a different lo- logo on a bag of chips that was there, you know, versus what was there a, a month ago. You know, and, and it happens all the time, and it's not yeah, a big new deal. look,
1: same great taste,
0: right? Exactly.
1: But you see that on, you see that all the time on stuff,
0: and You know, there are all sorts of perfectly legitimate reasons to refresh your brand and update your logo. And the Indians have let this thing continue to be just defined by, is it racist? Well, then we have to get rid of it. Is it not racist? Well, then we have to keep it. Well, Regardless of whether it is or not, you know, it's a cartoon from the 40s. It's been around for over 70 years. It's It's not, you know, it's okay to move on and and get something new. And, you know, they very easily could have gone out and reframed this discussion around any one of those other perfectly legitimate reasons to change your logo. And even now, as they're, you know, you could kind of say in a way being dragged kicking and screaming by the, the commissioner's office into taking some action here, they're still kind of playing both sides of the fence saying, you know, with a lot of this language that we're saying, well, you know, we understand the argument on both sides. Well, don't make it about that argument then. Br- bring up another reason, you know?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fine people on both sides Ugh. the argument, a lot of very fine people. Um, <laughs> what, what I will say is, and I don't want to get overly political, but I do find it hilarious that – the folks who, for the last, I don't know, however many years as this discussion has come up, have said, oh, you're, you know, you're, lately the term is, oh, you're a snowflake. You're offended by this little cartoon, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, this cartoon is going, they're not getting a dime of my money. I'm done. It's like, give me a break. Get over it. If, you, if, if your allegiance to the team was really tied to the cartoon on their hat, good riddance like get over it get over yourself no one cares that much um it's it's a step in the right direction i don't think it honestly it shouldn't have been this big of a deal i think the problem was um
0: the problem is the indians didn't take control of this when they had the chance and they let it get to this point yeah but at the
1: same time like you and i are talking you know refresh you i don't know of any other team that has you know 90 percent of the hats in major league baseball or just some stylized letters they're not you know they don't have an actual like image on them right right so so the indians on that front are in small company there's a handful of other ones that do it but um the problem was that to refresh wahoo to change the wahoo mascot itself and make it look like a you know a different design of a native American character would have just been so goddamn tone deaf to begin with right? that they couldn't touch it. And that's why it wasn't changed at all. I think if it was just, you know, I can't even think of an example, but if it was some say that they were, I don't know, the Browns, for example, say they were the Browns and they had that elf. Well, the Browns have like updated their logo over the years. That elf was around for, a, for a while and they realized, okay, this looks kind of old. Let's update it. If Wahoo was something different that wasn't so controversial, they would have changed it by now, and no one would have given a shit.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I mean that's the thing you, you said. Like most teams have a stylized letter or something like that. I mean, you're talking about multi-million dollar business organizations, you know, businesses here. With you know, the Indians are going to have a nine-figure payroll this year, and the logo that is most closely identified with their brand is the Native American version of Fred Flintstone. I mean come on. <laughs> Does yeah. is that yeah. I, I mean if you're in any other business, would you want a logo that's a, a, a cartoon caricature from you know that's old enough to collect social security as the the logo that's defining your brand? I mean, take it away from sports. I mean yeah, you know, it's not an accident that, you know, everybody else doesn't really have goofy looking faces for the most part, and they're really rare. Um, so, you know, again, it's not, I mean, there's obviously the racial component. I'm not saying that's not a thing. I'm just saying there are other aspects to this that I feel like just get completely lost in, in it turning into this, you know, A or B proposition. And here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well said. No, I, I don't have anything, don't have anything to add past that. I think it was a logo that was desperately in need of an update but for completely separate reasons could not be updated um so i think i think it's the right move i think we're in agreement that it's it's time to move past this chapter um and hopefully you know a couple years from now we're just done talking about it
0: right well the one thing that i thought was really strange about this and i understand the production times on merchandise and uniforms and everything else related to logo, uh, and apparel and stuff like that. Um, there's lead time. So you can't, if you're announcing this now, that's why this isn't going into effect for 2018. Um, but what I thought was really strange, Terry Pluto had an interview with Paul Dolan about this and I swear it said in that story that, okay, they're going to keep things as they are for this year. And then for 2019, they're going to get rid of Wahoo. And they're going to have the All Star Game logo for because Cleveland's hosting the 2019 All Star Game. They're going to have a patch for that on their sleeve, and I'm guessing they're going to just wear black C hats all the time. But then in 2020, they're going to have a new sleeve patch. So I just it's kind of strange to me that it's basically going to take them three years to make you know a, a full transition away from a logo.
1: Yeah, I'm not totally sure I understand why. It can't be done this year. Like The hat is an easy fix. Just wear a different hat. <laughs>
0: yeah, they have hats <laughs> exi- existing right now. They got the, the, the blue and the and the red, black Sea right. hats. And,
1: and they can pretty much mix and match jerseys and, and they do. hats as, as they please. So I guess I don't see why you can't just say, okay, we're, we're just going to wear this hat this year. And it can't be terribly difficult to take a sleeve off of their arms. Like that- – or the patch off of the arm sleeve.
0: So I, I'll i be really yeah, interested because I don't have
1: anything easy to replace it with. But do you, do you absolutely need something on the sleeve?
0: Well, I was just going to say, I'm going to be really interested to see what the Indians actually roll with on the field this year, because they have pretty much settled it. I, I think for the most part, they let their starting pitcher determine what uniform they're wearing every day. Um, this is like my uni nerd, uh, side coming out here, but the starting pitcher for the most part gets to pick what, what uniform they're wearing, including the hat. And when they go with the Navy Jersey on the road, they always wear the Wahoo hat with it. And in theory, this past year, they were supposed to wear the red hat with the block C at home with the, with the Navy Jersey. And Danny Salazar was the only starter who actually went with that combo. And everybody else always just paired it with the Wahoo. And I'm just kind of wondering if, A, they stick with everybody, for the most part, picking the Navy jerseys except Trevor Bauer. And, B, if they keep uh, running with Wahoo hats or if they kind of do like they did with the batting helmet and just start wearing Block C all the time and hope nobody really notices
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what – yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see what they go with. I almost – I'd almost hope that there's someone that's like, let's just phase it out as much as we can now without saying it. Right. You know, like we know that you should expect to see it a little bit this year. But considering you can choose whatever hat you want on a daily basis, I don't know why you wouldn't just say, all right, let's just just scrap the Wahoo hats for this year. But Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: I'm just going to be so ready for this to all be over and done with.
1: Yeah, that's, that's in my opinion, that is the best part about it. We're we're closer now than we were yesterday to not having to talk about it anymore.
0: Oh. I want to go back to complaining about the Indians not doing anything exciting in free agency.
1: Yeah, no At kidding. At least that affects go
0: the on-field product.
1: Go I mean... give me a right-handed bat now. <laughs> Bastards.
0: Oh. oh, all right.
1: I was a little bummed to see what Milwaukee was doing the other day. What's that? Um they signed what's his face, Lorenzo Kane and then they traded for Yelich. They're, oh, right. They're all of a sudden making moves out
0: there. They are. Thankfully they're in the NL Central now and no longer in the AL Central like they were back in the good old days.
1: There's a logo from back in the day that is as timeless as they come.
0: Oh Bernie Brewer?
1: No, the Brewer's glove with the oh, MB the- in it. Oh, yeah, thing, there's a
0: big time segment time. of their fans up there that love that and want them to like, bring that time. back full time.
1: That thing's fantastic. I did but
0: not realize until a couple years ago that that glove with the ball in it, if you look at it, it's supposed to be an yeah, MD the the for B. Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah,
1: yeah really? Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a great logo.
0: Yeah. Timeless classic.
1: Yeah, no kidding. All right. What do you All think? Right. What's that? What do you think? We good? I, I,
0: th- I think I've seen and heard enough, so.
1: Let's. All right, all right. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I don't plan to revisit the Wahoo thing much. No, again after this, I'm sure you'll probably hear some some local folks who uh, you know stretching for content. But I think I think that it kind of puts a puts a wrap on that subject for us.
0: Yeah, I I have no desire to ever revisit this again. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you know, it, even if it still feels like a bit of a half measure. Um, I'm glad we got what we got today let's let's turn the page and, and, and be done with this already because it's just not really worth the fight anymore. Amen. Yeah. So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for us. As always, you can hear our show on waitingfornextyear.com. And uh, if you enjoy everything that you're hearing here, we encourage you to go subscribe and uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts. I uh, want to get some reviews in there. We've not gotten a whole lot of those. So uh, if you've not done that, go through a review on apple podcast for us uh we're also on google play and stitcher as well and go like our facebook page facebook.com slash the nail podcast we've been
1: unless unless you think we suck then don't write a review <laughs> keep it to yourself
0: that's right yeah yeah keep that under your hat and hopefully your hat doesn't have wahoo on it um but uh yeah that'll do it for full rough.
1: circle right there good tie-in I that's like that. right <laughs>
0: That's so how we do it. So uh, for Trev Shuley, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again soon.
2: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go.